Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. In our program later on, Rural Isolation, a meeting which deals with that topic plus other topics such as succession. We have an update on the grass-fed beef status request to the European Commission to allow Irish beef north and south of the border to be marketed under a special grass-fed beef label. Agriculture Minister Charlie McConnell has confirmed a multi-million euro package to support farmers in growing extra crops to address potential food and fodder shortages, and that will be brought to the Cabinet this month. The money will be used to support farmers to grow more grain and cereals in the face of potential supply shortages due to the war in Ukraine. Charlie McConnell said there will be support to help farmers grow more feed and fodder and to give help to those farmers who have never done so before, that's never grown cereals before. As part of the measures to reduce costs, the price of green diesel was reduced by two cents a litre this week. Meanwhile, the Irish Farmers Association, IFA, is calling for a clear plan to allow its members to plant crops this season. The Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, has asked all farmers to grow crops over fears the war in Ukraine will lead to a shortage in grains. Both Russia and Ukraine are major exporters of wheat. The IFA says there's a short window of opportunity for non-tillage farmers to reorganise their operations ahead of the growing season. IFA President Tim Cullinan believes farmers are ready to do all they can to prevent a food shortage, but an overall plan that's capable of working hasn't been put forward so far, according to the IFA President Tim Cullinan. First of all, farmers have to reschedule and replan what they're doing. And we have a window of a number of weeks here now. That's why it's so important that we get a decision from the minister how we're going to go about doing this. So so we need action immediately that farmers can plan their business. It's a very, very serious situation at the moment. The commentary over the weekend about going back to the 1940s and every farmer growing a crop, that didn't really surface at the meeting last night. So we put forward credible proposals and uh, the only proposal coming back was about forming another committee. And I'm very clear about the situation Irish farmers find themselves in at the moment. You know, we need action and we need action immediately. Farmers will always react to a crisis. We're in a crisis here at the moment and farmers out there will play their part. They will do what they have to do and you know, they will relook at the operations on the farm to ensure that there can be enough of food supplied in the coming weeks and months ahead. 
Dairy farmers say it'll be a huge challenge to plant crops as well as tending to cows this season. Mr Pat McCormack, President of the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, ICMSA, says farmers have an open mind on proposals. The planting season is, is between now and, and probably the next five to six weeks. So, you know, we need to move on. You know, whatever is decided needs to be made available to farmers and farmers need whatever guidance and resources are required to get through these challenges. Farmers across all sectors have become very specialised in the last, in particular in the last decade, where they're no longer really mixed farms, but they're either dairy, beef, sheep, or indeed tillage. You know, that challenge now lies ahead of us. We have to see, obviously, the details, and we've been in discussions with the department for feed-in, but to see the detail of what scheme they would introduce. Bread shortages and price hikes are imminent, according to those in the industry. The Ukraine is a world's leader in flour exports and the country has stopped goods leaving the country due to the conflict. Irish Bakery Association says Ukrainian wheat is hard to replace. The need to put measures in place to support the commercial production of flour in Ireland was raised in the Shannad this week by Senator Malcolm Byrne in a discussion with Minister of State for Enterprise Damien English. Minister McConnell is today meeting with various farm organisations And one of the things that uh, he is going to be encouraging is increasing grain production so that it will help to provide greater domestic food security. And this is something uh, that, if it can be done, will obviously be very welcome. And I'm quite certain uh, that our farmers and farm organisations can step up to the plate. Uh, The average person in Ireland eats 54 kilograms of flour per year. Uh, That's quite a bit of uh, bread and bread products. But over 80% of flour that we use in Ireland is imported, with the bulk of it coming from the UK. And you'll be aware, Minister, that the current difficulty uh, since Brexit, it's something that on the Brexit Committee we explored in detail, that as much of the flour that we import from the UK is made with imported wheat, a lot of it coming from Canada, uh, under the EU rules of origin, uh, that flour that we import is subject uh, to tariffs. If the content of the non-EU wheat is more than than 15%, it's subject to the full tariffs. So this is already uh, contributing to some of the uh, the cost pressures um, that are there. Enterprise Ireland, when they were before our Brexit committee, highlighted the need to look at import substitution uh, about, you know, for uh, those who use flour here to uh, change supply chains. This was a view that was shared by Food and Drink Ireland. Uh, And on top of that now, we see, uh, following Russia's disgraceful invasion of Ukraine, uh, the pressure that that is going to put uh, on uh, global food security. About a quarter of the world's wheat exports come from that region. And even though we don't import uh, much wheat directly, there will obviously be a knock-on impact uh, if um, wheat from that region uh, it, you know, isn't contributing toward the world, pl- world supply. There are food security issues, obviously, parts of the Middle East and so on, and I've spoken in this house about it before, uh, but there will be knock-on implications in the supply coming in here. Um, so let's be very clear, we are going to see a major problem uh, around wheat supply, and as we're importing a lot of flour based on that imported wheat, uh, be certain that that is going to impact here. So the issue that I ask is around how can we look uh, at providing, if there's all that additional grain, how can we ensure that we have commercial mills back in Ireland? There are a number of small mills that are here, but particularly for the flour that we use in our bread, uh, that supports are put in place. What guarantees can we have uh, that we will, to ensure food security, uh, have 
sufficient access to flour and ideally that we have uh, import substitution that we can produce it here. I think our, our supply chains over the last number of years have been tested when it comes to Brexit, then COVID, and now the, the terrible events and atrocities in Ukraine as well. So, and it's certainly something that's important. Well, there's an urgency now to look at uh, fuel security issues. I think the whole area of, of uh, import substitution is something that will be very close to my heart. We've discussed it before in this house as well. And again, COVID and Brexit has taught us we need to relook at that and see of any opportunity that we can, in our view, uh, to, 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 to produce at home on our own shores here, as well as create the jobs that come out of that. But gives us the added security, opportunity and job creation as well. So certainly we'll be happy to explore these options with you as well. I think the, the last probably two weeks' events with Ukraine has brought a different conversation and a much more urgency to that as well. So the government is, of course, monitoring the impacts of the crisis very, very closely. We've been working very closely with our EU partners and fellow member states on the adoption of sanctions in response to Russia's violation of Ukraine's territorial integrity. While the direct effects of the series of sanctions being implemented may not be directly significant for Ireland, the Irish economy remains exposed to the indirect spillover effects resulting from the sanctions and the general geopolitical instability. And we can see the price increases in many sectors coming through already. Sanctions will not be cost-free for Ireland or other EU member states, as witnessed now by the sharp increase in flour prices and other commodities. Russia and Ukraine account for one-third of global grain production, while the EU imports uh, more than two-fifths of, of its gas demand from Russia. It goes without saying that Russia's systematic role in energy supply will have significant impacts on prices because some of the costs in relation to flour and flour production is around A, the, the, the actual grain, but also the energy costs. It's, that's part of that as well. I am aware the representations have been made with the bakery sector in terms of the implications of flour and gas costs on the price of bread and other products as well. In terms of flour production and flour milling in general, I think we do need to look into the feasibility of doing further processing in Ireland. So exactly what you said is something that we should look at. Um, since Brexit, the rules of origin impact on flour have resulted in unintended consequences because we import most of our flour from the UK and through Canada as well. Although recently uh, imports from Northern Ireland have, have surged to us avoiding potential tariffs and cross-border delays. It is, I would agree with you, that it's probably opportune to look specifically at the issue of supporting companies and the feasibility of doing further processing and flour milling in Ireland to secure our supply of this vital agreement. A new partnership dealing with rural health has been rolled out this week by the Samaritans in order to reach people in isolated areas. Their free phone number will be seen on milk trucks and agri-vehicles throughout the country. Samaritan's regional head, Cork-based Aileen Spitter, says the idea is the brainchild of farmer and founder of Ag Mental Health Week, Peter Hines of Arla, County Cork. With the sign being on all the trucks that get the milk from every farm, you know, they're going down every by road in, in Ireland, really. Um, rural and semi-rural, really. But I suppose, you know, where I'm living in Cork, we're always conscious of, you know, the fact that we may be seen as sort of an organisation that's based in the city, whereas in actual fact, when you have a number that people can ring for free, 24 hours a day, you can be anywhere and ring us in confidence. The idea, I suppose, was in partnership with Peter, who uh, was very involved with mental health for farmers in the in the farm industry. And he was saying that one of the things that's so common in all farmyards is the milk truck coming in to, to get the milk after the cows have been milked. And he said the chances are it's stopping outside the sort of shop in most rural villages. So it would be seen by a huge amount of people. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Miss Caroline Jennings, the PRO for the West Cork Ploughing Association. So, Caroline, you have an update now on Cork West uh, ploughing events, results, and such, where they apply. Yes, Dan, uh, thank you very much. Uh, Timonique uh, held their annual ploughing match last Sunday, uh, the 6th of March, and the results were as follows. Uh, senior conventional, first, 
Jim Grace. Second, Kieran Copley. Third, John Murphy. Fourth, John P. O'Donovan. The under 28s. First, James O'Sullivan. Second, Niall O'Driscoll. Third, David Walsh. Intermediate, first, Stanley Dean. Second, Jerk Kirby. Third, Jackie O'Driscoll. Fourth, John A. O'Donovan. The Macra, first, Andrew O'Donovan. Three furrow, uh, we have first, Matthew Coakley. Second, Cyril Maguire. And in the ladies, we had one competitor, and that was Katie Hayes. In the under-21s, we had first with Geoffrey Witcherly, second, Noel Nyan, and third, James Jennings. The senior reversibles had one competitor, and that was Jer Coakley. The under-28s reversible, there was one competitor also, and that was Connor O'Farrell. In the Loy, we had Adrian Grace, uh, the only competitor. The vintage trailer, first, John Wolfe. Single furrow, first, Gordon Jennings. The hydraulic confined, first, Ger Collins, second Sean McCarthy, third Vincent Bennett. The open hydraulic, first Michael Ryan, second John O'Neill, third Leslie Wolfe, fourth Michael Coomey, and fifth Dennis Cummins. Now on Sunday, this coming Sunday the 13th, the Kilbritton will be holding their uh, annual ploughing match um, on the lands of the Draper family, Artituic. Britain and the air code is P72YY60. This will go ahead providing the weather is suitable. Um, the match will start at 11am. Now the entries will have to be in by today, uh, Saturday the 12th of March by 12 noon to Rachel O'Driscoll and she can be contacted on 087-6246713. Thank you. That's grand. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Caroline. Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you very much indeed, Caroline. Thanks a lot. Thank you, John. We're joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Mr. Fellam O'Neill, Markets Specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal, operating mostly from Brussels, but also from Ireland. Now, Fellam, the story internationally has been very much um, the Ukraine situation, but there is something of deep concern to our local Irish beef uh, people. You might just uh, tell us something about this article, this very valuable piece of relatively local news, which uh, you've written for this week's Irish Farmers Journal. Hello, John. Yes, uh, it's been, uh, I suppose, Ukraine and the the human tragedy of it uh, is foremost in all our minds, but... uh, in the world of farming and agriculture, uh, for Irish farmers, things go on, and and we have to make sure that the the cows are milked every day, the the crops are planted, and so far as we have fertilizer and seed to do so, and uh, and cattle are fed, etc. Um, and it's in, the, it's in that context, John, that I was looking at there just uh, recently, the whole issue of the the PGI, and that is uh, that is. Uh, something basically that creates a brand for Irish uh, beef. Uh, and, and the intention was that it would apply across the island of Ireland. But uh, again, it, it has it became wrapped up in a bit of bureaucracy, I suppose you might call it, uh, between, uh, on, a, on a north and south basis. And 
Interestingly, it should be pointed out, this is one of the areas where, thankfully, there is no political dimension to it. So it's a, it is an administrative issue as opposed to a wider political issue, what, which I suppose increases the chances for getting it resolved. But anyway, what I'm taking a long time to say is that uh, the government uh, in Dublin made an application for PGI, and the intention was they would secure it, and then they would extend it to have Northern Ireland included in it. And um, the, the difficulty then was finding a way that that could be bolted on after the event, if you like. And uh, the European Commission came back with an opinion in May of last year uh, suggesting that uh, the North would uh, make what they called at the time uh, a constructive opposition uh, to the Irish application, uh, that it wouldn't be a hostile one as such, but it really would be the mechanism whereby they would be joined into that. So this now, uh, was the, the issue was out for consultation up until the 8th of uh, March, and uh, just in the first week of March, uh, the UK government, on behalf of the Northern Ireland administration, made that application. Now, uh, whilst uh, it, it perhaps sounds very negative, uh, I think in practice what it means is that the application process will essentially be extended for another period of time, uh, whereby hopefully the, the, the North and South uh, can be synchronised and go forward together. And I think it would be the ambition of board B, both Board B in, in Dublin and uh, the Livestock and Meat Commission in Belfast uh, that this could be all wrapped up by the end of the year. But as, uh, as I suppose to sum it up, uh, John, it has very much taken the scenic route uh, to, to a place for a, a brand for Irish beef that maybe could have been delivered uh, a little bit quicker had uh, heads uh, been put together sooner. And of course, the clear indication has been from the Irish authorities, from Board Bia and from Irish farmers and people here, we'd be delighted to have the North included insofar as we'd have perhaps two slightly separate entities contributing. But the one brand and the island of Ireland, this would be a great plus for everyone. And it might, in fact, be just an indication. It might be an indication of how the protocol could, uh, you know, bed down and uh, be more and more acceptable to people, although I know that's a separate story. But from what you've said, Phelan, I think we are in a position where, looking at the positive side, we can't rule out the fact that um, the Commission say it's quite possible they will sanction a special PGI grass-fed beef status for Ireland, Northern Ireland, the, the island of Ireland. Yeah, I think, I think that's the, the end game in this and, and the end result, John. Uh, as I said, um, it's taken a little bit more time to get there than we might have expected. Uh, there's a bit more, more um, bureaucracy added, perhaps, than might have been if they both had applied jointly at the start. But listen, there's no point looking back on that now. Um, the reality, why there's an attraction here of having the North included uh, in it, is because we would export a good number of cattle from South to North on an annual basis, uh, not just as uh, carcass beef, but as uh, forward store cattle for further feeding and finishing in the north. And uh, that, that means it, 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 it allows that trade to continue and actually be built on on a cross-border basis because, you know, you, you mentioned the protocol in passing earlier there, uh, John. Look, the, well, it is, of course, it's in no way related to this, but the, the whole idea of the protocol is that that cross-border trade in agriculture, which is the, the biggest part of it, it is a seamless trade, uh, particularly on the northern half of the island where huge quantities, a third of northern milk comes south for processing uh, 400,000 pigs go north 
from from south uh, every year for processing. Um, similarly, 400,000 lambs come from Northern Ireland to the Republic for processing. So, you know, there's a huge cross-border trade on the island of Ireland. And, you know, we, we have to think of it then um, when we go into wider international markets of having that linked up and joined up uh, to, to enable that to continue, because that's very important that farmers have those options, that they have the option of taking cattle to the mart in the west of Ireland that can uh, be uh, bought by buyers uh, from, from anywhere on the island, essentially. And that's where we would hope that we would see the longer-term benefit of this PGI. Looking from Brussels, when you're in Brussels, working at Brussels, we see now that um, the Irish national debt has risen to just under €240 billion Euro last year. Now, in Brussels, is there any hint that um, our economy might be a little bit unstable or along the lines of we're offering help to these poor people from the Ukraine, but already there are big queues, long queues for medical treatment in Ireland, in the Republic. But in Brussels, looking at from the outside, we're doing the very best we can, but is there any perception we might be a bit um, extravagant in (coughs) our expenditure, I mean, directly after the pandemic and all these other things which come one after the other? Yeah, well, certainly, John, I suppose uh, there a, cu- a couple of things just to point out there uh, before we start. Uh, unfortunately, with the pandemic, I haven't had the opportunity to be in Brussels as much as I would have liked to over the past two years. And uh, secondly, I suppose in, in the wider financial context, the, the knowledge in the depth of knowledge in the Irish Farmers Journal, uh, we, we would uh, claim to be experts in the field of farming and food, uh, maybe less so in international uh, finances. But on a general observation on the issue, Look, the the reality is, I suppose, uh, normal life is suspended in uh, the European Union at the moment, given the events in Ukraine. And, uh, you know, we we spoke of housing difficulties here and, and indeed across Europe, you know, over the past number of years. And yet we now have to find our way to open doors to hundreds of thousands, if not indeed millions of people. And, of course, it's the countries that are closest by that, that are taking the brunt of that. And against that context, uh, you know, we have seen the cost of all energy prices soar, you know, uh, to levels that were unimaginable uh, just a few weeks ago, never mind uh, six months ago. And uh, farmers have seen that, of course, at first hand in the cost of the diesel for the tractors, in the cost of the fertilizer that they will be planned to sow in their land this spring. And um, that there is all going to have a knock-on effect, uh, a serious knock-on effect, into wider food prices. And, and, of course, the big concern in Europe at the moment, and it's uh, noted that there's a meeting of the G7 agriculture ministers coming up this Friday, the big concern is the issue of longer-term food security, particularly later in the year, because at the moment we were, we're basically living off the harvest of the, the autumn of 2021. But the reality is the planting of 2022, especially in the Ukraine, simply it's, it's unlikely to happen at this stage. And even if it does, their export capacity has been destroyed with the bombing of their ports. So uh, the reality is that takes huge quantities of grain of global markets in the later part of this year. And of course, that will hit home hardest on the poorest countries on earth, uh, more so than, than Europe. We will experience higher food prices and higher energy prices, but the reality is we're in a better position to afford those than many in Africa and Asia. So all in all, not good times. 
Well, Phelan, that's uh, good to hear that we are in Ireland, at least in Ireland, we you know, are not at the bottom of the league in terms of uh, problems. But I'm sure you will be keeping us in touch with developments vis-a-vis the grass-fed beef PGI status. And in due course, hopefully, we'll have you confirming that the Commission has granted the special status and that Northern... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Ireland will have uh, come in or be included under that uh, status. But Mr. Fellam O'Neill, market specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal, operating from Brussels, but not so much in the past two years. Thank you, Fellam, very much indeed for having spoken to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. Thank you, Fellam. Thank you again, John. Good to be back talking. Thanks, John. Cheerio. Now. Cheerio bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. We are joined on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme by Councillor Frank Roach. Frank, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important meeting is being planned for the near future, and it concerns a problem which, unfortunately, is widespread in rural Ireland. It's in urban areas as well. But we want to look at this problem as it applies to rural localities and depopulation and all this kind of thing. So... A very important meeting, and tell us what the subject will be. The meeting, John, will be held on uh, Wednesday night, the 16th of March, the night before St. Patrick's Day, in the Fairgrove Hotel in Mitchelstown in County Cork. It's being organised by the ICFA, the Irish Cattle Sheep Farmers Association, but everybody is welcome. Well, the topics will be about Capra Forum, uh, the general problems facing the farming community, with the price of diesel and with the price of fertiliser and the price of the way everything is gone, the farmers are very worried and their future is looking very bleak. So uh, we're hoping that um, a number of TDs will, uh, will attend. 
we have invited them and we're hoping that they'll attend. And we also want to point out with the high number of farm-related suicides in Cork in 2021, where we actually had 41 farm-related suicides, it is very concerning. And what's even more concerning is, so far in 2022, we have 14 farm-related suicides. And with the figures that are there, it's actually, they're, they're, they're so frightening that we're afraid that we will even have doubled the amount of suicides this year in Cork alone in the family community. And the ICSA are after taking on board. They're hoping to have a meeting in every county in, in Ireland. And it is very important to, to be sure the people that helped us out there for these people. Rural isolation and isolation under any circumstances can have a negative uh, mental impact. So I believe that rural isolation will be discussed by some of the top people from the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. Rural isolation, that is uh, the core problem in many cases. Now there's also a new problem that has been developing with the last number of years is inheritance, where you have family members fighting and the legal fees are actually astronomical, and it's actually breaking farms. But another new um, problem that actually has risen in the last number of meetings is marriage breakdown in the farming community. Because an awful lot of farmers have expanded rapidly, and sadly, the whole family uh, is not falling into line to this modern rapid expansion. And there's an awful lot of family breakdown, marriage breakdown. And the legal costs and the whole effect it has on the farming community is absolutely devastating. So the ICSA have actually acknowledged this, and they're, they're, they are willing to give help and support to any family that are suffering any kind of trauma within the family. Uh, succession, but the problem with succession is that no one wants to draw it down. I mean, while the parents are relatively young, there's a reluctance to draw down the issue of succession and then you have the situation is put on the long finger until we have uh, one of those local tragedies. Well, unfortunately, look, we have seen, and particularly in the last 12 months here in Cork, where there have been very serious consequences because of inheritance and farms, and sadly, a farmer could work very hard all his life and build up a fantastic empire. But it's the last decision that they make in their life or the last decision what they make before they die and on the will or on the transferring of that farm that can absolutely destroy everything that those hardworking people have achieved. And we need to point that out to, the, to any of the, the community, the farmers, that a will or transferring the property is actually more important than actually their lifetime working because everything that they work for could be destroyed in one stroke of a pin. Now, you spoke about the cost of legal advice. You mentioned, uh, you know, what you saw as the relatively high cost of legal advice, but surely it's better for the family as a group altogether to go into a solicitor, a solicitor who has farming background knowledge, or a solicitor based locally obviously would be au fait with the situation, and for the family to arrange an appointment, a meeting in the solicitor's office. And in that way, it, it avoids um, confusion and the farmer knows exactly what the situation is. And nowadays, some of the children will be abroad. 
some will be farming, and you often have a situation where one of the six or seven children stayed on the farm, worked the farm, had no university or student life, didn't live abroad, but yet when the parents pass away and uh, all of the family turn up for the reading of the will, that person who kept the farm going, that one child out of the seven or eight or nine, he might find that in order to keep farming, he would have to take out a loan because the farm value has been equally divided amongst all the children. So very important, make a will, but ideally go into a solicitor's office, go in together and just find out what should be done to avoid tragedies down the line. Well, no, no more than ever. The family that have actually flown the nest early in their lives are actually coming back and attacking the one that, that you described as stay-at-home working in the farm. And it is very, very sad to think that we have an awful lot of farmers that spent their whole life after leaving school, working the family farm, living at home, probably, we could say, putting up with, uh, with cranky parents. And in an awful lot of those cases, the one that stayed at home wasn't even allowed to marry because any girl that he met up with, the parents didn't approve of. And they're here now in their 40s, 50s, 60s even in some cases. And the ones that flew the nest coming back, attacking the assets. And what we actually have is we have three or four legal firms harvesting the assets. And in an awful lot of cases, the legal fees will actually eat up the profits or, or, or the whole estate in some cases. Before we began our conversation uh, on air, uh, Councillor, speaking to Councillor Frank Roach, before we began um, talking on air, Frank, you were pointing out there's a trend when a daughter leaves a farm. What are some of the things that can happen? Uh, one of the problems that I'm coming across on a regular basis is when the daughter leaves at 13 years of age to go to boarding school and went away, went into the convent or wherever to boarding school, processed on to the third level education, and then got a job in the civil service or something in Dublin, um, somewhere north of, of, of Mitchelltown, anyhow, we'll say, and meet somebody up the country, get married, build a mansion of a house, or buy a mansion of a house, uh, drive an expensive car, and here they are at, in their 40s now, when their children are starting to get more expensive as well, going to third level, and these girls look back at the family farm, and they see the son at home. And they'll see, they'll be looking at on the farmer's journal and seeing land making 20,000 an acre and calculating the farms worth two and three million. The stocks on the farm worth another two or three million. They'll read about the single farm payments of 100 or 150,000. And they're reading all this. And they're coming back then to the parents who are at this stage in their probably late 70s or 80s. And poor me, I'm above in Dublin, I'm in Kildare, I'm wherever, I have a big mortgage, I've no money. And Johnny's here at home, and the farm is worth so much. The single farm payment is worth so much. Milk was never better priced. And they're actually putting pressure on the elderly parents. And this is causing an awful rift in family farms at the minute. So, Councillor Frank Roach, you are recommending that people of all ages, and certainly people who don't have a clear path to succession worked out, they should come along to this meeting in the Fergraf Hotel, Mitchellstown, Fergraf Hotel, Mitchellstown, on Wednesday the 16th, the day before St. Patrick's Day. Patrick's Day, so, that's right. Just to, to confirm to our listeners, just to confirm the details in case someone only half heard the message, but this, I think, is vital, and I 
think you would you agree people should arrange to go to the solicitor's office and get the legal details hammered out once and for all and uh, keep them updated? Well, I, I think it's very important that anybody that works hard on a farm builds up an asset, works hard on it, that they actually do the in their in the life. Now, your in the life could be at 40 years of age, but they do your paperwork for when you're at the end of your life, that it goes smoothly. Because sadly, if it's not done right, you're going to have solicitor firms harvesting the assets that you have put together. And there's nothing worse and there's nothing more disturbing in anybody's life than a family farm dispute after somebody's death. This meeting in the Fergrove Hotel in Mitchellstown, it will talk about all of the problems facing farmers, all of the issues. I say problems, but often these uh, questions can be solved if they're approached But at this point in time, where we have the situation where fertiliser is so expensive, everything is so expensive, and uh, farmers are under abnormal pressures, all of the normal pressures, plus, plus. So rural isolation, that might be the most important thing to be discussed at this meeting in the Fergrove Hotel, in addition to all of the other topics we regularly hear discussed at these meetings. This is a, a very important meeting for the ICSA, and their top personnel will be attending. Pre- Just to confirm uh, the names. The President, um, um, Dermot Kelleher, and uh, the Secretary, Eddie Punch. The venue for this yes. meeting and the date and time, etc. The venue, the Fairgrove Hotel in Mitchelton County Cork. Uh, the date, the 16th of March, the, day, the night before St. Patrick's Day, and at uh, the time, 8 o'clock. Thank you very much indeed, Councillor Frank Roach, based in uh, Castletown Roach, but certainly totally familiar with the rural situation, and in particular the problems caused by rural isolation and lack of a clear path to succession. Thank you, Frank, very much indeed. Thank you, Thank- You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Miss Sharon O'Mahony, Education Officer with Chagask, based at the Chagas Middleton office. First of all, Sharon, welcome to the programme. Now, I've been scanning some data, Sharon, that you've sent me, sobering information to start with. You say that following on from 2020, when 19 people lost their lives on Irish farms, the number recorded in 2021 was nine, the lowest figure recorded since Health and Safety Authority was established in 2005. Now, despite that uh, good omen, as it were, is there room still for cautious optimism that the message is getting through about farm safety and accident prevention? The positive story was reflected in a 30% reduction in fatalities across all workplaces in 2021, from a figure of 54 deaths in 2020 to 38 in 2021. While farming saw a decline of over 50% with nine fatalities recorded compared to 20 in 2020, it still remains one of the most dangerous sectors in which to work. We must remember that farming only accounts for 6% of the workforce, so at that, it's still disproportionately very high. At best, we could be cautiously optimistic that the safety message is resonating with the farming sector, but it's certainly no reason for complacency, and still nine is too many lives lost in the workplace. So this year, what we need to do is to... I continue with the good work and the good practices so that maybe this time next year we might be discussing even fewer lives. So if we look briefly then at, 
I suppose some of the statistics have come from the 2021 records. Um, while tractors and farm vehicles remained the number one cause of farm fatalities, there was no actual farm death caused directly by a machine. However, in some cases, a machine was involved, indirectly involved in the fatality. The most common instance were loss of control of the vehicle or its attachment or falling from a height. And we'll mention that again later. Three of the fatalities were caused by livestock and one of those was a bull attack. One child and eight adults lost their lives in Irish farms in 2021. On a cautionary note, while farming per se saw significant declines in fatalities, some agriculture land-based enterprises experienced an increase. For example, the forestry and logging sector saw two deaths in 2021 when none had been recorded in the previous year. Now, safety can be a boring subject for some people. They feel, well, safety, I'm all right, I'll take precautions. But, of course, when safety hits you or a close friend or a relative or a colleague, then suddenly the impact is uh, pretty savage. So, very important, people would try and observe some of the safety hints put out by, we'll say, HSA, the Health and Safety Authority being the body responsible for enforcing and inspecting workplaces, including farms. Now, they undertake focused inspection campaigns to highlight ongoing safety awareness on farms. Can you tell us something about this, uh, Sharon, about HSA and how they help, if at all possible, prevent accidents occurring in the first place? Yes, John. So in July of last year, the Health and Safety Authority, they undertook an intensive two-week inspection campaign on farms nationwide. Their focus was tractors, machinery and quad bikes safely. And as we know and have previously discussed, tractors and machinery account for the highest proportion of farm deaths and injuries in Ireland, with the elderly and farm children at particular risk. Research indicates that, in general, farmers' attitude to safety only really changes after either, as you said yourself, a serious injury or death has occurred or has been highlighted often too late. So the targeted blitz of inspections during the last two weeks of July, they coincided with Farm Safety Week and they put a spotlight on the importance of managing safety and proactively implementing preventative measures. And these would be training, good maintenance programs and safe work practices. Now, of course... Farmers, you could say any time of the year, but certainly now with all of the problems about increased fertiliser costs, increased feeding costs, everything going up in price, all the problems, etc., and the uncertainty on the world stage, and farmers being busy, they resent someone coming along and telling them to stop work or watching them work, and it's for their own good, even though when you're very, very busy or you're deep in thought, wondering how will I survive, how will I make ends meet, people, they do unconsciously or subconsciously resent inspections, but these inspections are there to highlight things you mightn't uh, spot in your busy daily schedule. So, in terms of, um, we say now, working from heights, people associate heights with the danger, but of course, it's uh, not just a the dangers of working from heights, it can be from roofs or other not-so-high areas that terrible injuries or fatalities can occur. So some of the dangers vis-a-vis, you know, falls, how people can fall or trip, as it were. 
Yes, John. I suppose just put it into context, in the period 2010 to 2020, there was 11 deaths on farms associated with falls. Have you heard the ad on the radio recently where the commentary goes, your fall only starts when you hit the ground? And then he goes on to describe lifelong implications of the fall, the wheelchair he can't work, the grapes he can't eat, the carer that comes in on a Tuesday to bathe him. And while this is targeted construction, it's just as relevant to farming as it is the construction industry because in terms of the law, the maintenance of a structure, for example, a farm shed, is considered as construction work and the same legal requirements as construction um, work must be complied with. A lot of work at height on farms, it takes place on shed roofs, many of which are either entirely or partially made of fragile materials. Working on these carries significant risks and requires careful planning to ensure your safety. And I suppose what I would say is using ladder should only be as a means of access or for work being carried out over very short duration. Very serious injuries have resulted in life-changing disabilities where somebody fell from an unsecured ladder slipping sideways or the ladder kicking out at the base. So... The main risk when working at heights is a fall either from the ladder or a roof or from a protected edge of a roof or a structure. So things like simple edge protection can prevent falls, but all too often it's um, lack of proper planning and this is what leads to these significant or serious consequences. So if you are undertaking work yourself, the use of a mobile elevating work platform or a tower scaffold will allow you to undertake the work at safety. And I suppose ideally, um, farmers should avoid carrying out work at heights at all and use a competent contractor who will have the equipment and the expertise to carry the work out safely while you remain on the ground. And just a little tip. Um, nowadays, people have uh, mobile phones nowadays and it's a good idea to always have a fully charged mobile phone with you when you go out on a job and particularly if you're, you're working off the ground, etc. And even without leaving the ground, a person can trip and fall into or come into collision with a moving part. You know, traditionally, people are warned the first thing you think about when you think about uh, tractors and machinery is the PTO shaft. But even at ground level, a person can trip or fall and you might trip into some very, very dangerous situation, some machinery moving parts. So, you know, you've got to really try and keep a clear mind if you can, despite being very, very busy and uh, full of worries about the cost of everything and how will you keep the ship afloat. Absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose, again, um, with this in mind... Um, it's important, I suppose, that you'd plan any activities such as if repairs need to be done, you need to, to plan properly and assess whether or not it's something that you can do yourself. And if not, then um, you need to get a competent contractor to carry out the work. Just keeping in touch with the HSE inspections, we want to reassure people these are never undertaken you know, just to, to show authority over you, but for your own good. So a second HSE Agricultural Inspection Campaign ran last year from Monday 15th of November to Friday 26th of November 2021, of course, focusing on safety and working at a height. And that was something that hopefully people 
took um, some lessons from, as, as we've been covering earlier in our section on heights? Absolutely, John. The campaign was in a direct response to the number of fatalities and serious injuries that occur through falls from height in, on farms. So the campaign, it targeted both small and large farms nationwide. And again, like you said, the visits were, um, they were advisory. They weren't, that there was, um, as you said, they weren't um, showing their authority. And they focused on reminding farmers of the serious risks involved in working at any height, even carry out inspections or short duration jobs. And again, their advice would be carry out a risk assessment use the safest possible means to carry out the job. Thank you, Sharon. Sharon O'Mahony, Education Officer with Chagask in the Knock Griffin Office, Middleton, County Cork. That's our farm programme. My thanks to colleagues Barry O'Mahony and Marie Tuig. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks for listening. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.